Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Make sure to go to TimCast.com, click join us and become a member to support this podcast and all the work we do, and you'll get access to exclusive uncensored segments from TimCast IRL and way more. Now, let's jump into the first story. The media meltdown is palpable, my friends. Oh boy, are they going after Elon Musk now? And I think in response, Elon Musk is just going to return the favor and go equally as hard in the other direction. Why is it that Elon Musk reinstated the account of Alex Jones? You know, I think after the media started bashing him and lying about him and trying to destroy his businesses, he just said it's war. Because we got, we got crazy stories. We got one story where they're claiming that Tesla's recalling every single vehicle they've ever put out in the United States, which is clearly insane and not true. Daily Mail wrote this. They said Tesla's recalling 2 million vehicles. What does it mean to issue a recall? Now, that's the question. Typically, when you get a recall, like we had a recall in our truck, you bring it in to get something fixed. Yeah, what does a recall mean for Tesla? What they're really saying is Tesla announces software update. That's it. They, they are really, really going after Elon. But of course, following this, there are tons of stories about people quitting the platform, furious that Alex Jones has returned. And I love this one from CNN. Elon Musk's ex is encouraging users to follow conspiracy theorist Alex Jones after reinstating his account. Yeah. What does that mean? It means Alex Jones is on the recommendation list the same as literally anybody else. We're winning. And they're losing their collective minds. And it's funny. Oh, boy. Y'all got to hear the response from Sam Harris, because Sam Harris is a broken, broken man. You know what I think about Sam Harris? Sam Harris was intellectual dark web, right? So he's hanging out with Jordan Pearson, Ben Shapiro, you know, in some capacity. And this is the space he's in where he's he's challenging mainstream orthodoxy. Yeah, but then COVID happened and the dude, a coward, panicked and decided I better just toe the line for the machine without doing an, inv an investigation or any research and just say whatever I think needs to be said. It's fascinating. You know, I, try, I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt early on and think, you know, maybe he's trying to maintain some credibility in a left liberal space to poll people. Nah, nah, Sam Harris, I think, got really scared, was terrified that he cannot win against the machine and decided the safest path was to stop where he was and just play the establishment neolib card. Wait till you hear 
this segment. Jack Posobiec tweets, Sam Harris melts down that Elon Musk let Alex Jones back on X and then appeared on Twitter spaces with me. Here's what I love. So we got this new movie that came out. It's called uh, uh, The World, what is it? Like, Leave the World Behind. And they have a scene where Teslas, and it actually says Tesla are slamming into cars. And yo, it is wild. I want to I wanna show you that clip. But uh, first, let's talk about the meltdown following the reinstating of Alex Jones. And, and I can also point out, I think I have the tweet right here. Is it Alex Jones has announced new shows to appear exclusively on X. Oh, well, look at that. That's right. Alex Jones knows who butters his bread. Alex Jones is probably thinking, you know, when they banned him from everything, they cut off, they cut off his access to the mainstream pipeline. By being restored to Twitter slash X, now X, he's got access to the mainstream pipeline, to the public conversation. He even said, thank you for letting me back into the public conversation. Doing an exclusive show on X makes the most sense. It's going to massively increase his reach or restore, I should say, his reach to a certain degree. So naturally, everybody's losing their minds. Here we go. Let's play this. uh, Let's play this clip. It has certainly broken his ethical compass. Reinstating Alex Jones on the platform, as Elon did this week, wasn't a principled stand on anything. It was the quintessence of audience capture. Elon literally put the decision to a vote on X, and he let his dumb fans, most of whom now live in Conspiristan, simply tell him what to do. And then he welcomes Jones back in a Twitter spaces, along with Andrew Tate and Jack Posobiec. It has certainly... (laughs) You know what I really, really love about this? Is that Sam Harris is so dumb. He doesn't even know who Jack is. Posobiec. You know, yeah. Um, when I first heard of Jack Posobiec, I also called him Jack Posobiec. And then I met him and started reading more of his stuff and watching some of his clips. And I went, oh, it's Jack Posobiec. <laughs> but the fact that he calls him Posobiec shows he doesn't really know anything about Jack. Probably never talked to the guy. And this is it. The dude's losing his mind. Conspiristan. Uh-huh. Wow. It's remarkable to see this is where we're at with Sam Harris. Oh, how sad. How sad. But take a look at some of these stories. Here we go from NBC Connecticut. Team Vicky Soto leaves X days after Alex Jones returns to the platform. I love this one because I don't think it's even actually about Alex Jones, but they want to make sure they put Alex Jones in the title. Just days after Elon Musk reinstated InfoWars host Alex Jones to X, formerly known as Twitter, Vicky Soto Memorial Fund announced it's leaving the platform. Vicky Soto taught first grade at Sandy Hook. She died shielding her students from gunfire. I mean, that's that's a sad story. It really is. They wrote, after being on this platform for 10 years, we have made the decision to leave X. On Thursday, it will be 11 years since she died at Sandy Hook. We never thought we would still be here, be here being harassed. But now as you're trying to mourn her, the harassment has become unbearable. OK, well, you know, I got to be honest. You've got 69 likes on the post. Why is NBC writing up this story? It's because they are desperate to attack Alex Jones and desperate to attack Elon Musk. But the reality is Elon Musk did the right thing. He made the right business decision. And that's it. Oh, boy. But we got more from Politico. Civil rights lawyer quits X after Alex Jones's return to the platform. Sherilyn Eiffel said with the return of Jones on the social media site, it cannot be a place where I put my energy, my ideas, my plans, my joy. Bye bye. Don't let the door hit your ass on the way out. 
This is what's really incredible. Elon Musk asked his audience, do you want Alex Jones back? Now, Sam Harris says it's audience capture. You know, Elon Musk has 165 million followers. He's followed by like half of Twitter. Okay. And the people who voted on this weren't just his fans or followers. But if you're going to come to me and say Elon Musk petitioned his own fans and then gave him what they wanted, his audience capture, I'll be like, well, you know, at a certain point, I think 165 million people may actually be a representative sample. But if uh, Sherilyn and others do not have public opinion on their side and they leave, who cares? Does anybody on X care to hear the opinion of the civil rights lawyer? Yeah, maybe a small amount of people. I mean, how many followers does she have? Do they even link to her account? I'm not going to pull up her account. I bet she has a very, very, very small number. Prominent civil rights lawyers abandoning X, blah, blah, blah. What's her name? You know what? Let, let's, let's do this. Let me see how many uh, followers she has. Maybe she has a lot. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe, maybe she's a really, really big account. Maybe she has, uh, she has 400, 444,000 followers. It's like, okay, you know, all right. Alex Jones has 1.7 million. So if you're going to Elon Musk and you're like, Alex Jones gets tens of millions of views and has four times the followers that you do, what do you think is going to happen? You're not going to be able to lord it over Elon Musk. I'll leave. If you bring him back, he's going to be like, well, I got to be honest, uh, Alex Jones has more views and more followers. So what's, what's the argument? It's weird. These people are in the minority. They don't represent popular opinion. And that's why Elon Musk did the poll. But it's a fascinating place to be, is it not? Is it not? Now, they're coming after Elon Musk. I love this one. CNN says, a day after Elon Musk restored the ex-accounts of notorious right-wing conspiracy theorist Alex Jones on his website, InfoWars, the platform is actively promoting Jones' uh, Jones's account to other users, giving the fringe figure a major platform. Oh, are you going to cry more? Are you going to cry more, you little babies? Oh, it's too bad, huh? Alex Jones, like everybody else, will appear in the who you know who you should follow feed. That's it's absolutely hilarious. I say Musk on Sunday also elevated Jones newly restored profile, which had 1.6 million followers as of Monday by engaging with him in a live streamed interview on X. They were joined by Andrew Tate, blah, blah, blah. So we know about this far right conspiracy theorist, Jack Posobiec, uh, proud Islamophobe, Laura Loomer. And you see the game they play. What did Elon Musk do? Elon Musk said, uh, okay, fine. I guess, you know, Alex, well, I, th- I think what you said is wrong, but I don't think it warrants a permanent ban from the platform. They then claimed he's promoting him, promoting his ideas, uh, uh, blasting his account out to new followers. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Alex Jones exists. Alex Jones gets tens of millions of views. He got hundreds of millions of views before he was purged from all the major platforms. But this is what these people never understood because they're dumb. They're stupid people. And we, we tried to warn all of them. You ban Alex Jones. You do not stop him. All you do is ensure that no one counters him. So there was a, um, what was I watching? I was watching a video. I'm not sure if it was from Bill Maher or something where a guy said, when they started banning hate speech, what happened was we saw an increase in anti-Semitism and racism and hate speech. Why? Because the bans ensured that racists and anti-Semites could only talk to each other. What happens? There's no a mesh. There's no de-radicalization process. 
The argument from this is really, really fascinating because we've, we've brought this up. Uh, I say we as in those who, who defended free speech on these platforms have brought this up. The default position of the left is that the stronger argument rests with racists. Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's arkseedkits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. arcseedkits.com. I don't believe that's true, but that's their position. The left believes that if you were to take someone who opposes racism and someone who supports racism and put them in a room with a bunch of people, the racist would be more persuasive and his argument would win out converting people to racism. I actually think that is factually false. I don't even think it's in a matter of opinion. Why? Historically, we can see that racism loses out. We're not talking about social media platforms in the 60s. We're talking about public sentiment when people started learning that you that race doesn't matter. And they became friends and they got married and they had kids and people started uh, building, you know, mixed race neighborhoods, co-mingling. Still, neighborhoods are greatly segregated. That's true. But people ultimately were just like, I don't think race is as, is, as big a deal as most people would say. And, and this did actually uh, start to occur even with, with the Civil War. Granted, during the Civil War, y'all, uh, y'all Americans, everybody were still super racist. The North, yo, super racist. I love this. The idea that the North during the Civil War was like defending the rights of black people in this country. They were opposed to slavery, but yo, we still had Jim Crow and segregation and all of these really awful things. Granted, ending slavery was, was an extremely important thing to do. Many other countries had already done it. And it was a complicated, complicated uh, historical narrative as to how this all breaks out during the Civil War, but slavery, of course, being the principal issue. The fear that Abraham Lincoln would do away with it, where the North wanted to stop its expansion. There's a lot of stuff going on. But to act like they weren't racist, dude, in the North, we still had into the 50s anti-miscegenation laws. We still had racial segregation. So yeah, come on. People were still like, nah, races, you know, oh, but times they were changing. The left believes they have to ban Alex Jones. Why? Because his arguments are too persuasive. Huh? That's your argument? Yo, Alex Jones went on Joe Rogan's show a couple years ago and said that there were, there, were, there were animal human hybrids and cell phone towers and interdimensional beings, and everybody was laughing. It was insane. And I'm like, you thought that was persuasive? People were just being entertained. And don't get me wrong, Alex Jones said a lot of things that have turned out to be true. If you go back and you look at some of Alex's old stuff, it's kind of wild. Several, uh, what is it, like a year? I think it was, or was it a few months before 9-11? Alex Jones predicted there would be a terror attack and they'd blame Osama bin Laden. That's kind of crazy. Alex Jones predicted, sort of, the Russian invasion of Ukraine. I love this one because Russia invades Ukraine. Everybody starts sharing this clip of Alex Jones like, how did he know? 
And I talked to Alex and he's like, I was just reading the news, man. I don't even know. <laughs> like, it's not even a big deal. Alex Jones was reading like the AP and other stories. And he was like, yo, they're saying there's going to be a war. And then people were surprised it happens. This is the real reason they want to eliminate Alex Jones from, from public discourse. And otherwise, I mean, I'm sure. This is why they're going after Elon Musk. Because Alex Jones builds a highly persuasive and very large platform where he destroys the establishment narrative and they don't like it. I do not believe that Alex Jones is right about everything. I actually think, you know, we have an Alex Jones was right jar downstairs as a gag. Part of the joke is that he's often not right. You get it? If the argument was that Alex Jones was right all the time, you wouldn't need a jar to put money in because you'd go broke. The point is, every time he nails it, you put money in it and then you show how often he was right, which means he's not always right. I'm not saying he's always wrong or he's mostly wrong, or whatever, but he does get a lot of things wrong. So do I. It's a joke. It's meant to be funny. But these people, they cannot handle it. Look at this one, how Tucker Carlson helped persuade Elon Musk to reinstate Alex Jones on X. Oh, boy. <laughs> Got this picture of Tucker. I just love this timeline we're in. Here we go. Now they're trying to destroy Elon Musk in a variety of ways. Kenneko the Great says the Media Matters employee being sued by Elon Musk and X refreshed a fringe video on Rumble more than 70 times until he found a Netflix ad. Despite being the only person to view that Netflix ad next to that video, he wrote an article falsely suggesting that Netflix ads regularly appeared next to fringe content on Rumble, pressuring advertisers to drop the platform. On X, IBM, Comcast, and Oracle had their ads appear alongside fringe content for only one person, the same employee, out of more than 500 million active users on the platform. The same Media Matters employee has written nearly a dozen articles pressuring advertisers to pull their support from X since Elon Musk bought the company. It is war. Look at this. I don't think that the Daily Mail is part of a coordinated effort to try and destroy Elon Musk, but this is a component of the smear machine. Daily Mail says Tesla recalls more than 2 million vehicles to fix systems that monitors drivers using autopilot after a series of deadly crashes. Really? The recall covers models Y, S, 3, and X. And I think, really, you should have said models S, 3, X, and Y. And then you can understand why it is that Elon Musk named the cars this. Haha. <laughs> Produced between October 5th, 2012 and December 7th of this year. That's right. Wow, a recall. I see this story and I immediately laugh. You know why? Because I know it's not true. I know that they're falsely framing what's actually happening. Here's the real headline. Tesla issues software update for all vehicles. That's it. That's it. I get software updates all the time. Look at this. Documents posted Wednesday by U.S. safety regulators say the company will send out a software update to fix the problems. Oh. So no one will even notice a single thing. You know what happens? I sit down on my Tesla and it says scheduled update and you just click OK. Or the app will tell you like update now. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Whatever. I don't care. It takes like, what, 10 minutes. And then it's like, I don't know. You get software updates all the time and they'll give you a list of improvements and bug fixes. They are really, really out for Elon Musk. Oh, boy. Here's my favorite part. Netflix users mock Elon Musk over his leave the world behind complaint. This guy didn't watch the movie, one viewer said, after Tesla founder pointed out inaccuracy. So there's a scene, okay? I, I, I want to show you in a second. And in this movie, which 
you know, it's, this is the movie where they say don't trust white people. There are some people being like, you didn't understand the point of the film. The point of the film was that people of different races would have to work together. I'm like, whatever. Uh, people are pointing out the line. They don't like it. It is what it is. You know, you can you can interpret whatever you want from the movie. There's a scene where they quite literally show a whole bunch of white Teslas all crashed. And then they have to dodge Teslas that are just attacking them. Elon says in uh, in a tweet here, here, you can see the image, right? They all have Tesla written on it. I'll show you the, in a second. They, uh, Elon says, uh, uh, where is it? He points out that they can be charged by solar panels. So here we go. During the film, blah, blah, blah. Teslas end up crashing into each other, causing a, causing a massive pileup. Someone posted the clip. Elon Musk replied, Teslas can charge from solar panels even if the world goes fully Mad Max and there's no more gasoline. The founder was attempting to highlight that cars could survive an electric-free apocalyptic situation. No, he's saying electricity can exist outside of gasoline. He didn't even comment on what the cars were doing. He was simply pointing out if the grid goes down, the cars can still function off solar, but you can't get more gasoline. That's got to be like produced. Then people were like, this guy didn't even watch the movie, but he didn't even comment on the movie. He was pointing out that in a grid down situation, the cars still drive. He wasn't making a comment about self-driving. Yo, I got to show you how absolutely bonkers this scene is. So you have Julia Roberts walking around and there's a whole bunch of Teslas all crashed. And she's like, here, let me, let me. There's like weird music playing. So anyway, she then looks down and it says, (laughs) look at this full self-driving. And she goes, oh no. Then a car starts driving up. This is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Let me, let me play it. What are you doing? We should flag them down. Maybe they know someone. No, there's no one in that car. <laughs> they just start slamming into each other. Wow. This is, this, is, this is the best. Now they're dodging Teslas that are flying at them, trying to hit them. Talk about stupid. I'm sorry. It's just so stupid. It's as stupid as stupid can be. I don't know what else to tell you, man. It's just very stupid. Look, yes, there's there's a there's a, pro, a, a a possibility that in the future these kinds of things can happen, but it's just so silly. Now I'm not going to sit here and claim that a movie making fun of self-driving cars is part of a coordinated effort against Elon Musk or whatever, but the media is coming at him with full force. But I'll tell you this: I'll, I'll warn y'all: the more you do this, the more Elon Musk is going to double down. This is why I think Alex Jones finally came back. In the early days of the X platform, Elon Musk buying Twitter, he says, no, Alex Jones can't come back. What he said about Sandy Hook kids and all that stuff was horrible. And a lot of people pointed out that's not why he was banned. He was banned because he insulted Oliver Darcy, a CNN uh, smear merchant propagandist. And uh, uh, I think the real issue was that Elon was basically saying, I cannot right now bring back Alex Jones because it would cause a collapse of the system. That's what I think he was really saying. But then they started to gut the system anyway. And once Elon Musk saw the advertisers fleeing, at that point, he was like, well, what's the point now? Now our best path forward is going to be paying subscribers. And if that's the case, we must maximize the user base. If advertisers are going to pull off the platform, no matter what he does, well, so be it. Alex Jones, you're back. The more they play this game of chicken, the more they will lose. I hope you're having a good time. I know I am. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then.
What does it mean that the election was stolen from Donald Trump in 2020? Well, in the early days following the election where Donald Trump lost to Joe Biden, many people said that it was fraud. There were wild conspiracy theories about servers in in Germany or whatever, CIA shootouts, Dominion, Venezuela, China. Fake ballots were being printed and sent. Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five star reviews on Trustpilot, Google and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Tim Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. That was a very dominant narrative. A lot of people were posting these wild theories that Trump was secretly going to be reinstated as president in March, the true election day, and a bunch of other things that never happened. Now, since the beginning, I have said Joe Biden won. And there's one simple reason to say that. And that is, he's in the White House. He won. Thank you. Have a nice day. But we have new information coming out. It's a Rasmussen poll that finds one in five mail-in voters admit they cheated in the 2020 election. Whoa, one in five. Holy crap. Now, the real question here is how many votes were by mail? Then if we take 20% of that number, we can make some extrapolation and then we can even be very favorable and and remove the margin of error from this survey. I mean, we could actually be favorable to ourselves and increase the margin of error because it could go any, it can go either direction, about three points. The point here is, Rasmussen reached out to over a thousand voters, asked them about certain practices, which would be voter fraud. And surprisingly, they found about one in five admitted that in some way they did commit fraud. How? Signing ballots for other people, filling out ballots for other people, delivering ballots for other people, things like that. And thus, this does call into question whether or not Donald Trump would have won, were it a real vote based on an individual's opinions. Now, here's what I think. You got to understand what an election is, okay? If you want to have the argument to me, if you want to say, Tim, the election was stolen for Trump, so- stolen from Trump, I say, what, what, what's your, what's your, like, what does that mean to you? They say it was rigged. Okay, but what does that mean? They say the system was set up by Democrats and neocons to heavily favor them and to diminish the the actual voters of Donald Trump. That is to say, signature verification and and, and ballot harvesting. And I go, yes, okay, welcome to an election. Next question. That's what elections have always been. I feel like there's a lot of, uh, uh, you you know what I think this is? A lot of Trump supporters are first time voters. And a lot of Trump, uh, Trump voters in 2020, I should say, 
were first time voters in 2016, the same thing. And many of them did not pay attention. Right now, Donald Trump is heavily favored in Georgia and Michigan among people who did not vote in 2020. This is giving him an advantage for many of these people. And, I'm, and I don't mean to be a dick. And if you understand this, I'm not talking about you, but understand there are many people who did not realize <laughs> elections ain't about convincing people to vote. It's about getting a vote. So here's what I see. A lot of people don't believe that Trump could have lost. Why? The narrative was on his side tremendously. Yet somehow Biden gets 81 million votes more than any president ever. Well, there was also a counter narrative against Donald Trump. But more importantly, Democrats and allies in the Republican Party, neocons, teamed up to change policy and procedure to benefit Joe Biden in the election. That's just it. And mail-in voting was one of these components. Now, this is a survey. This is not physical evidence, but I do believe it gives credence to the argument that people were defrauding the system through mail-in voting. A coordinate, I shouldn't say coordinated, but there was a, co- well, no, a coordinated effort to get universal mail-in voting into the hands of as many people as possible. That's a fact. And then people just did what they wanted to do. Now, here's what I said. You want to know why Joe Biden won? Because mom walks in and she goes to her 18 year old, 19 year old kid, son and daughter, and she goes, "Okay, we're going to go to Olive Garden and get the endless breadsticks, but you got to fill out your ballots first. And the kids are like, Mom, I don't care about voting. It's so dumb. No, you're going to fill out your ballots. And then the kids are like, fine, what, what, what am I doing? And mom goes, you put Joe Biden, you put Joe, and now you sign it. That is, in my opinion, the likely reason that Joe Biden was able to secure so many votes. But now it appears, and I think many people were inclined to believe this as it was, that many of these parents were filling out the ballots for their kids. And in fact, we even heard this from one of the individuals on The View who said that they filled out a ballot for their kid, admitting to committing voter fraud. Welcome to our brave new world. Ladies and gentlemen, a new trailer has come out about a movie called Civil War. Predictive programming, some might say, or it's just in the air. The fear is here. You got a major blockbuster film coming out depicting a United States civil war. I wonder why that would be. But by all means, Tim Pool has said the magic words, so you may take a drink. Before we get started and break down all the math, because this is going to blow your mind. And I hope you share this with friends and family, because I'm not here to say that, you know, China, Dominion, fraud. Venezuela. I'm here to just point out the polls and talk to you about math. And then you can decide for yourself what you think any of it means. These are uh, uh, these are uh, institutions that produce polling. These are news organizations. I'm going to show you some data. You decide. Before we get started, my friends, I got big news. Head over to thebestsongever.com. Click pre-order on Amazon. Buy together again right now for 69 cents. You can also pre-order on iTunes. It's a bit harder to do. But uh, we are hoping that our new song, it's the best song ever written. You know why I can say that? I didn't write it. It was written by Smokey Mike and the God King, and the trailer has just dropped. That's right. Over at Timcast Music, just a few hours before I recorded this video, the Smokey Mike and the God King cover, uh, our cover of Smokey Mike and the God Kings together again, is up now. It's a 30-second promo clip, and you can see we got Jeremy Boring and Michael Knowles. Oh, that's a cameo. And there's a little snippet of the song at the end. Pre-order now, and I'll tell you what this is all about. Jeremy Boring and Michael Knowles gave a big F you to the music industry with a spoofed song called Together Again. It's a long story. 
But they basically tried to buy the rights to perform a song. They were told no, and they offered 100 times the market rate, and they were told no. Why? I'm willing to bet it was political. We put out a song, and we had a publicist reach out to news organizations, entertainment outlets saying Tim Pool and Pete Parada, formerly of The Offspring, have teamed up. And we actually got people responding saying, F you and go F yourselves. Okay. This song that we're putting out is a double F you to the music industry. I hope you like it. And I hope that uh, the song will chart on Billboard, and then we can laugh at our success at mocking the woke institutions. But uh, anyway, I digress. I'm sure all the family members you've shared this video with are like, what is he talking about with this song? But uh, it's up at Timcast Music, thebestsongever.com. Let me show you this from Rasmussen first. They say, more than 20% of voters who used mail-in ballots in 2020 admit they participated in at least one form of election fraud. A new national telephone and online survey by Rasmussen reports and the Heartland Institute finds that 21% of likely U.S. voters who voted by absentee or mail-in ballot in the 2020 election say they filled out a ballot in part or in full on behalf of a friend, family member, spouse, or child. 78% say they didn't. 30% of those surveyed said they voted by absentee or mail-in ballot in the 2020 election. 19% who cast, uh, 19% of, 19% of those who cast mail-in votes say a friend or family member filled out their ballot in part or in full or their behalf. Furthermore, 70% of mail-in voters say that in the 2020 election, they cast a ballot in a state where they were no longer a permanent resident. All of these practices are illegal, Heartland Institute officials noted. They go on to mention that the sampling error is plus or minus 3% with 95% level of confidence. Uh, field work for all Rasmussen Report surveys is conducted by Pulse Opinion Research, LLC, and you can see their actual methodology. Now, I know, I know. People will often try and deflect, and they'll say, these polls don't mean anything. All right, all right, all right. First, from the Council on Foreign Relations, everyone's favorite organization. They say the pandemic helped popularize early voting and mail-in ballots. Americans cast 101 million early votes. 64.1% of the total votes. The total number of mail-in ballots was 65,642,049. Now that seems to line up with total number of votes cast and the percentage of people who who voted. So let's, uh, let's, let's, let's do this. Voted by mail. Sorry. Okay. Let's see. Where are we at? This is uh, CFR's 2020 election by numbers. They say that Biden won 81, excuse me, 0.2 million votes, 51%. Trump won 74. That means we have roughly 155 million between the two. And likely because, you know, this doesn't add up to 100 percent. We're looking at around, I don't know, what say you, 160, 170 million votes. Now, hold on there a minute. If that's the case, fact, 170 or so, 160 million votes. And it is a fact that 65 million of these votes came through mail-in voting. Stands to reason that just the north of one third of all votes that came that that uh, came through were mail-in votes. Now, okay, what does Rasmussen say? And they polled these individuals. They found thirty percent of those surveyed say they voted by absentee uh, uh, or mail-in ballot. Now that doesn't line up perfect. Actually, that 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 probably does line up fairly well. If we're looking at sixty-five million, no, 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 no. Uh, that would be that would be more than thirty percent. Yeah, that would be be close to like 38 or 39. So there is a decent uh, miss here in terms of the people they've asked. Less so. 
So they interviewed people, they surveyed people and found in their margin slightly less of the uh, of the people they asked. So there's not a one for one based on the national sample. So you'll have to extrapolate that and uh, uh, make make your determination. If this 30 percent is nationally representative of uh, uh, voters or is it, you know, representing the national uh, voter block and one in five individuals say they committed fraud, we are talking about around 14 million or 13 or 14 million votes that may be fraudulent. I mean, if we go by the hard numbers, quite literally. Now, let's say there's a three uh, point margin of error because the margin of error could go north or south. I think it's pointless to actually try and give the data, but we could be saying something along the lines of 12 to 15 million votes based on the, the I, I mean, I guess technically more than that, because uh, no, that's no, probably a fair estimate. I mean, look, we're dealing with large numbers. It doesn't matter. Trump did not lose by that many votes. And even if you give the benefit of the doubt and subtract 3% for the margin of error, we're still looking at a, an election where Trump would have actually gotten more votes than Joe Biden were it not for mail-in voting fraud. But I will stress, the survey by Rasmussen is not proof that fraud was committed. It's a survey of people claiming they did. Maybe many of these people lied. Why would they admit to committing fraud? I mean, that lady on The View did. That was pretty wild, if you ask me. It's hard to know for sure. Following this, Rasmussen was slammed by a denial of service attack. Very interesting timing. It's another morning and you're all set for work. You grab your coffee, head out the door, and your car decides today's the day it won't start. Panic sets in. You're not just late, you're stranded. Get ahead of unexpected car repairs before they strike with CarShield, the most trusted vehicle protection company. For almost 20 years, CarShield has saved millions of drivers from repair nightmares with low monthly plans that cover up to 5,000 major parts and systems, like pricey transmission and engine repairs and check engine light mysteries. Visit CarShield today at carshield.com carlson. Plans include unlimited miles, 24-7 roadside assistance, help with flats, lockouts, and rental car options. Save 20% and get a free quote by visiting CarShield online at carshield.com slash Carlson. Don't wait for the next surprise. Choose peace of mind with CarShield. Go to carshield.com slash Carlson and save 20% today. They say, while we remediate our apparent denial of service attack, here for our readers on X is a message from today's 2020 mail-in voting survey sponsor. Please share. And uh, you know what? I'll just go ahead and click that repost right there for you guys. This is yesterday. This news breaks. I'm surprised the story wasn't larger. Now, there's more data to consider. Rasmussen is considered a highly credible agency when it comes to polling, and their methodology is considered to be fairly standard, but fairly accurate. As of right now, according to the Real Clear Politics average, Rasmussen has Joe Biden beating Donald Trump by four points. Now, that seems to be an outlier. It seems to be an outlier because all the other polls, save NPR and PBS, have Trump winning. YouGov has a tie. But Trump is currently enjoying a polling average spread of plus 2.3, meaning Donald Trump be winning. At this time in the previous election cycle, Biden was up 7.5 in aggregate, and Clinton in the previous cycle to that was up 4.3 in aggregate, implying Donald Trump is dancing his way to a 2024 reelection. 
And the important thing to consider here when it comes to this vote, the, the, the voting patterns and universal mail-in voting is it's not breaking them down by state. The only thing that really matters, of course, is the swing states. And Donald Trump lost by 44,000 votes in 2020. If we're talking about people voting by mail and committing fraud in, to the tunes of millions, it doesn't give us a whole lot of information because a lot of this may be California, New York, or Illinois. Meaningless. But if we were then to extrapolate the same data statewide, we'd still find a one in five margin of people admitting they committed voter fraud. In which case, one in five votes? Yeah, I'm going to have to tell you that means Donald Trump wins. Because I think the, the split by some states was like if Trump won even three points in some of these swing states, he won those states. Again, this is not proof that Donald Trump won. This is simply an interesting survey suggesting that there are a lot of people who committed fraud and got away with it. How do you investigate these claims? Well, again, you had a lady on The View outright admit to committing fraud. I, I, let me make sure I get her name right, because this one's big. Let's see what we got here. Oh, I love this. Reuters says, uh, uh, here we go. All right, let's, let's, I thought it was Sonny Hostin. Let's pull this up. Because we want to make sure we get all the facts, right? Here's Reuters. The View co-host Sonny Hostin did not admit committing voter fraud. Really? Let's read. Social media users are misrepresenting ABC talk show host The View, Sonny Hostin's remarks on her experience with dropping off her son's absentee ballot for the U.S. midterm elections. They say she admitted committing voter fraud, but Representative for Hostin denied the allegations. Laws in New York, where they live, allow for designated family members to legally drop off other people's ballots. And a Facebook video said, did Sonny Hostin admit to committing voter fraud on behalf of her son? In the clip taken from the popular show, Hostin said she had trouble actually voting for her son absentee ballot today and that they made me very and that made me very, very concerned. She went on to explain her experience with the poll worker who asked her to place the absentee ballot in a bag on the floor and had to ask if there was an official election box that clearly says absentee ballots or something like that. The clip appears to be from a November 8th episode of The View. Users online are taking her quote of voting for her son to mean she fraudulently filled out a ballot and cast it on his behalf. But a rep for Hawson told Reuters there was no illegal activity. Sonny and her son abided by the law. She was the designated person he assigned to drop off her ballot. The rep also confirmed her resident in Westchester County, New York. In New York, individuals can vote by mail, vote by mail with a valid excuse, which includes being blah, 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 blah. Uh, and oh, okay, that's weird. Well, hold on. In, in Westchester County specifically, a designated person can pick up a, or deliver a ballot based on their behalf. The voter must designate. Oh, the voter must designate that person on their ballot application. Okay, well, I'm, I'm, I'm confused here, Reuters. Um, how did Sonny Hostin's son fill out the absentee ballot while not currently in the state, resulting in Sonny Hostin having the physical ballot to go drop off? Are you saying that her son received an absentee ballot where he was? I think he was in, was he in Pennsylvania or something? So he's out of state. He receives an absentee ballot. He then drives there to fill it out and then you dropped it off because is that what happened? Or did he uh, receive it, fill it out and mail it to you? You see why people are saying that um, she committed fraud. But you know what? Fine. I don't know exactly what she did. But the assumption here is she received the mail in vote. She voted for her son and tried to drop it off. Voting for her son. Sure. But this is the point. Many people are admitting to having done something like that. Maybe she didn't do exactly that. Who knows? Fine, whatever. But then we're dealing with, hate to say it, voter fraud. 
Now, how do you get an investigation on something like that? I don't know. But I want to make sure I give you more facts. I have this article from Scientific American from March 15th, 2004. How can a poll of only 1,004 Americans represent 260 million people with only a 3% margin of error? Andrew Gelman, a professor in the departments of statistics and political science at Columbia University, explains a 3% margin of error means that there's a 95% chance that the survey result will be within 3% of the population value. To put it another way, you would expect to see less than a 3% difference. This we understand, blah, blah, blah. The point here is it's quite simple. This is Scientific American basically saying, yes, a poll of 1,000 Americans can represent the entire country. There are a lot of people who don't seem to understand this. Ian Crossland on Timcast IRL, no matter how many times you say it, his brain can't comprehend the concept of a Sudoku puzzle. But I'll break it down for you. We, you ever played Sudoku? You probably did. You got a grid. It's three by three by three. And you're looking at uh, a bunch of empty spaces. There are a few numbers in there. Every line has to have one through nine and every box has to have one through nine. This is effectively how these polling systems work. You take a look at the data and then you infer the empty spaces. The polls here, quite simple. You are given a Sudoku puzzle. You, can, you, you are given maybe like 10 numbers in the whole block. Maybe it's hard. And you can say, based on these numbers, I can accurately predict where every number will be. 100% accuracy. There are some Sudoku puzzles that are really great where it's like there's only a couple numbers and you're like, wow, tough. I guess they, they have these blank ones or whatever. You can just fill it out yourself, I guess. The point is, is this. The, the starting numbers of Sudoku are equivalent to the data in a poll. It doesn't show you everything guaranteed. You don't know exactly where the numbers are, but you can easily figure out what those numbers are going to be based on the data you have. When we survey 1,000 Americans in a representative sample of this country, we target key areas where we can see big numbers. An election happens. We can say heartland voters did this, southern voters did this, western voters did this. In these regions, we see these patterns. You can then survey a family or two in each area talking to only a thousand people in the whole country and find a scientifically accurate representation of voting patterns in this country. There is a margin of error. Thus, my point here is quite simple. This is tremendous data that Rasmussen has put out. It warrants further investigation, especially as we're heading into another election cycle. But you know what? This is why the most important thing any of you can do is vote. Now, of course, there's no COVID this time around. Maybe there'll be something. And thus, mail-in voting will be less prominent, but still powerful. And there are a lot of people who will likely try to play dirty. If this polling is correct, I think this warrants some kind of task force to prevent mo- voter fraud. Not that, there we, that, not that we've proven anybody has committed voter fraud, but we've proven that there are a large number of people who express the desire to commit voter fraud. Well, that being the case, I think we should probably say, okay, well, how do we prevent that in the event it does happen? Because we're not looking for it, tracking for it, or preventing it, it will happen. Imagine one day you woke up and your cash register was empty, but you didn't lock your doors and you have no security cameras. Well, what do you expect was going to happen? And then you go, I don't know, money's gone. I guess we'll have to figure it out later. Or you can investigate and try and figure out what happened. The issue here is the store clerk walks in, the money's gone and goes, I guess Joe Biden must have come and pick up the money. Okay, I guess. Or in this instance, is Donald Trump did. And then Trump goes, I never got paid. And he goes, yes, you did. The money's gone. No, you got to investigate this stuff. It's going to be interesting. I tell you that. 
I don't believe uh, Democrats will ever allow for any kind of task force or investigation. Swing states are the real battleground. But as I was saying, go vote. You know why? Let's say you've got a 20% disadvantage because these in, in the mail-in voting, meaning you need to overcome like 10 million votes that are going to be fraudulent. Well, if you're not going to get a task force and you really do want to win, then what you need to do is one, prepare for lawfare, lawsuits and investigations into mail-in voting using this data, as well as evidence from 2020. Step two, you must register everyone you know to vote or get them to register, I should say more accurately, and get them to vote. Make sure the margin is crushed. With Donald Trump's victory in these swing states, it was only 44,000 votes. Only 44,000. If everyone who listened to this got two or three of their friends to register to vote and to vote, Trump cannot lose, especially with the current sentiments in this country. I hope you all are paying attention to what's going on. It's crazy stuff. It is crazy stuff. It's not the evidence of voter fraud people have been claiming. And that's kind of my point. Ballot harvesting and universal mail-in voting, as I've said, is what got Joe Biden the victory. And I maintain it. Now, this is not evidence fraud happened. It's a suggestion that people are willing to do it. And for that, I believe this warrants investigation. So we shall see. Next segment is coming up at 4 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Now is not the time to despair, my friends. Now is the time to celebrate as we claim more and more victories entering 2024. And the big news coming out today is that the Supreme Court has granted cert to a January 6th case, which could overturn many of the criminal convictions and charges against many of those on January 6th, including the president himself. The argument stems from the obstruction law. As many of you know, those on January 6th, many of them were charged with obstructing an official proceeding. The argument goes, this law is specifically intended to go after those who are destroying documents and are interfering directly in a process. I guess the argument would be more so you are in Congress and, and throwing documents in a shredder, shutting down their ability to do their jobs, not that you were in a building causing some widespread security issue that inadvertently resulted in the proceeding being shut down. Now, their arguments, I don't know how good they are. And we'll see. And being granted cert just means that SCOTUS will hear the arguments. The question is, which way do they go? It's very possible the Supreme Court says, look, you stormed into the building. Everybody got evacuated. It's unambiguous. You disrupted an official proceeding. It's also possible, they say, the people who were walking through the building on that day cannot be said to have obstructed an official proceeding because many of them were let in by police. And there you go. So this should be interesting. Here's the story from CNN. And as I bring you this story, which is good news for Trump and Trump supporters, I also bring you this story from the Post Millennial. Far left agitators, including journalists sentenced to federal prison, ordered to pay huge fines for firebombing police vehicles in 2020. This, my friends, is what we call winning the culture war. Does it mean we've won? No. Does it mean we stop now? Of course not. Now we yell charge. The enemy has broken ranks and we will take the center of this battlefield. Take a look at this from CNN.com. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Supreme Court said Wednesday that it will consider whether part of a federal obstruction law can be used to prosecute some of the rioters involved in the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. How the Supreme Court defines how the obstruction law can be used related to the Capitol attack could impact hundreds of criminal cases, even the pending case against former President Donald Trump, who was also charged with obstructing an official proceeding. The specific issue in the case involves a catch all provision of a federal criminal statute that makes it a crime for anyone, quote, who otherwise obstructs, influences or impedes any official proceeding and what the government must prove with regard to the intent of the January 6 rioters. The DOJ has used the charge as the cornerstone of many of the more serious capital riot cases where defendants were outspoken about their desire to stop Congress's certification of President Joe Biden's Electoral College win or were instrumental in the physical breach of the Capitol. Now, hold on there a minute. I, uh, uh, there was a story. I think this is in Dinesh D'Souza's film, Police State. A woman said that her son showed up to the Capitol like an hour after everything had already happened, had no idea what was going on. No barricades. Doors are wide open, walks in and looks around like what's happening, then leaves. Several months later, charged with obstruction. Well, hold on there a minute. How do you prove this person intended to or in any way actually obstructed? There are many stories of individuals who showed up hour, an hour or so after the breach and after people fighting with cops. I've met some of these people. And they said that they went to the Capitol, that they walked up the sidewalk no fences, nothing, went to the doors that were wide open, looked around, one woman said, for a, for a couple minutes, and then just walked out. And now they're going to jail for a year and a half because of obstruction. Supreme Court may say only those who engaged in physical violence with police were the ones intending to obstruct anything. And simply charging anyone in the building for simply being there with obstruction is not the way the law is supposed to be used. That could be huge. Worse, they could say a riot's a riot. You were part of a riot that was intending to do this. You bear some responsibility. They're going to say Joseph Fisher, the man at the center of the case, was charged with multiple federal crimes for his role in the J6 attack. A federal judge agreed to throw out the specific charge brought against Fisher under the obstruction law. A federal appeals court divided on the matter earlier this year, with a majority holding that the broad terms of the obstruction statute were satisfied as applied to individuals who forcibly entered the Capitol on January 6th. The Supreme Court will now decide the issue this term. See, my, my question is, how does that appeals court ruling apply to other individuals under uh, active criminal prosecution? The Supreme Court, I get. Supreme Court issues, issues a decision and then bang, it hits everybody. A federal appeal might be useful and could be used, but I'm not sure how that would play out. But they are they are saying forcibly entered. And that matters. That the court is intervening now suggests that the justices are interested in providing general clarity on an issue that has caused at least some confusion in a subset of January 6 cases, said Steve Vladek, 
CNN Supreme Court analyst and professor at the University of Texas School of Law. The justices move Wednesday represents the first time the high court has agreed to examine the prosecution of someone involved in the Capitol riot. It comes the same week that special counsel Jack Smith has asked the court to review Trump's claims of immunity from prosecution for his role in attempting to subvert the 2020 election. Federal prosecutors said video footage showed him running at a police line outside the Capitol and yelling charge. A patrolman with the North Cornwall Township Police Department, Fisher allegedly yelled MFers as he clashed with police on January 6th. During the scuffle, Fisher allegedly tried to help an officer who fell down and said, I am a cop. I am a cop. According to police body camera footage, one day after the attack, he allegedly sent a private message to an associate saying I may need a job because word got out that I was at the rally. Well, I don't know how much that matters. He said the FBI may arrest me, etc. They go on to say the federal appeal appeals court that decided Fisher's case earlier this year, which was decided along with two similar cases, said obstruction can include a wide range of conduct when a defendant has a corrupt intent and is targeting an official proceeding, such as the congressional certification of the presidential election on January 6th. The broad interpretation of the statute encompassing all forms of obstructive acts is unambiguous and natural. Judge Florence Pan of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit wrote in the two to one majority opinion. The decision is expected next summer. So what I've heard is that some people are arguing the obstruction law was supposed to be about you as party to the process or something like that interfering directly in the process. Specifically, let's say that they're like, OK, let's bring in the documents so that we can all vote on it. And then you shred those documents. You, you cut them up, you destroy them or something that has interfered in that process. They're arguing that fighting with cops outside the building and screaming was not obstructing directly. Now, I don't know about that. I, I honestly, I, I don't know how this could go. I don't know the, ex- the exact uh, arguments outside of that. But if they're outright saying you've obstructed that you cannot legally obstruct an official proceeding, I would I would argue that storming into the building and fighting with cops and then seeking out those chambers where the proceeding is happening does obstruct it. But therein lies the main argument. They didn't actually go into the into the hearing and shut it down. They didn't sit down screaming. They didn't destroy documents. They were outside. They were trying to get in. I suppose the argument could be made attempted obstruction. Hmm. It should be interesting. I don't know how good their argument is. I don't know. I'm on the fence on this one. How about that? But I will tell you, my friends, don't be sad. Be glad because it's not all bad. Into 2024, we are getting tremendous victories. The Post Millennial reporting that many far leftists, including a journalist, have been sentenced to federal prison. Why? Because in Arkansas and Little Rock, in the summer of love, they were firebombing with Molotov cocktails. Wow. Four of the five defendants, you're going to name them, were each given federal prison terms varying between 17 and 66 months, and they were ordered to pay huge fines. A fifth uh, fifth defendant, 20, a 34-year-old Brittany Dawn Jeffrey, was informed of her fate in 2022 and received the shortest sentence and lowest fine at 17 months. So that is to say they're all going to prison. Take what you can get. I don't trust the DOJ, but this federal case, I think it's important to break down. D.C. is not Arkansas. The FBI working out of Arkansas is not the same as the FBI working out of the D.C. field office. And that's where things are getting dicey. Did you see the trailer for the new film, Civil War? Oh, yeah. 
I have many thoughts on this, could, how this could play out. But I decided to leave my thoughts on that trailer for uh, the next segment coming up at six, because uh, big breaking news out of the Supreme Court. Many J6s are celebrating, saying that this could effectively end their prosecution, free them or overturn their convictions. The big question will be, are they going to side with you? I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. It's the moment you've all been waiting for. News dropped that a new film is coming out in 2024 called Civil War. And what is it about? Oh, man, you better believe I'm excited. It is a film about a civil war in the United States. And I got to say, based on the trailer, I'm going to go, meh. It is funny that this trailer drops and I get all these people tweeting at me being like, Tim Pool, what do you think? Yo, let me start by saying this. The reason the movie exists has nothing to do with me. The reason I talk about Civil War is the same reason someone made a movie about it. It's the same reason Stephen Marsh wrote a book about it. It's the same reason why numerous news outlets have written the same thing. We are all looking at an ever expanding culture war, division among states, and many people advocating for national divorce, including elected members of Congress. So, you may watch my show and think Tim Pool talks about this a lot, but I got to be honest, I probably talk about it less than many in the corporate press. As a large brand, several of these news outlets have way more articles about civil war than videos I produce. I'm a single, ter- I'm, a, I'm a single person. But if you only watch my show or you mostly watch it, you'll see stories about civil war pop up or the conversation happen. Somebody invested a lot of money into making a movie about civil war. Why? It's on the American mind. It's in the media. It's in books. It's coming from the mouths of Princeton professors. And that resulted in me saying, hey, guys, I think this might be right. Now, The Verge writes, the next film from the director Alex Garland looks like quite the action packed dystopia. A24 just released the first trailer for Civil War, which is set in a near future version of the U.S. that as you can probably guess is in the midst of a violent civil war with forces from Texas and California making their way to the White House. It's hard to glean too many story details from the trailer, but it features a small group attempting to infiltrate a heavily fortified Washington, D.C. It also features the tagline, All Empires Fall. So they got a lot of people in it. I'm going to I want to pull up the trailer here uh, for you. And I want to I want to I want to actually let's 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 review this thing. Let's talk about it before we do. However, my friends, if you want to help win the culture war, go to the best song ever dot com pre order together again. This is our new song. The reason it's the best song ever, and I can say that is because it wasn't written by me. It was written by Smokey Mike and the God King. I don't know who the writing credit goes, so I got to ask that. Jeremy Boring, most likely. And it's uh, Jeremy Boring and Michael Knowles of the Daily Wire wrote a song. We did a modern version of it. It is, uh, I, would, I would guess it's like synth pop. Promo is up on my Twitter account. And if you want to help us stick it to the machine and the man and have this combined FU to woke captured industry, pre-order the song now. It comes out on the 15th. It's going to be a lot of fun. But let's let's check out what's currently going on in American media right now. We have the Civil War trailer. All right, all right. Let's play this and see what's going on. Activity. The White House issued warnings to the Western forces as well as the Florida Alliance. The three-term president assures the uprising will be... Three-term president, Western forces, Florida Alliance. Let's uh, let's jump in. I don't want to watch the full thing, right? Let's watch. Let's, here we go. Swiftly. Let me know if you want to try anything on. I guess aware there's like a pretty huge civil war going on all across America. We just try to stay out. 
with what we see on the news. Seems like it's for the best. So let me make a point for all of you right now. Oh, boy, I love it. So in the first scene, they're in a clothing store and the woman working the clothing store says, let me know if you want to try anything on. And he's like, you do know there's a civil war, right? It's an interesting thing that would never happen. Uh, in reality, when war happens, there will be no circumstance where someone walks into a store and is shocked and goes, you're still selling things, but there's a war. They're doing that for you because you're thinking that the average American has no idea what war is like. But as those of you who've watched my show know, in war, industry doesn't stop. I mean, it stops where it's blown up. But uh, take a look at videos coming out of like Syria during the Syrian civil war also long ago. I mean, like what, 10 years ago now at this point. And you'll see that people are walking through blown up streets and rubble everywhere and they're carrying goods. Why? They need to eat. I tell the story all the time. I was in Egypt. I'm staring down from the Hilton building, watching a revolution take place. And right down at the base of this building is a McDonald's with some dude watching soccer like nothing's going on. We're in the middle of a revolution in Egypt. We take a car to Heliopolis and go to the mall. And it's people walking around. They're eating kebab. They're buying cell phones as if nothing was happening. And nobody stopped to ask about it. They went on with their lives. Let's play some more. So I guess Kirsten Dunst plays a journalist. You have this flag with two stars on it. I love this. I guess the argument is that California and Texas joined forces. Impossible. ...of America, the so-called Western forces of Texas and California. Never going to happen. Texas and California will not be part, will not be a unified alliance with states between them. Why? Dude, Alex Garland, whoever made this movie, maybe they answer this. Maybe they create some kind of circumstance that makes sense. Fine. So be it. Perhaps it's just deus ex machina. God from the machine. They said it, so it's true. But if you actually read about the American Civil War, you'd know that Texas joined the Confederacy because of geography. Texas didn't actually, I mean, I mean, I'm sure there was still sentiment for Texas, but the issue was basically we are surrounded by the Confederacy. We cannot be a union state. We'll be conquered in two seconds. In the initial stages of the Civil War, we didn't call it the Civil War. It was called the War Between States. But even before then, it was called the Rebellion. The Confederacy didn't actually think there would be a grand scale war. And if they did, they would have taken Washington, D.C. immediately after the first Battle of Manassas, which they did not do. It was only as things got worse and escalated that the uh, Confederacy decided to actually march into Union territory. And uh, oh boy, did they fail miserably. Gettysburg, everybody knows, everybody knows how that went. Texas, being in the South, geographically was like, well, what choice do we have? If they remain a Union state, how will they connect to other Union states and transmit supplies? What does this even do for them? Now, you could argue the Union would have ease of access to entering Texas, and thus you would have a pincer move on the Confederate states. But the issue was actually simpler than that. When the states were seceding from the Union, Texas, nobody thought it was going to be full scale war. They just thought, well, our neighbors are the Confederacy. So, you know, we're going to side with them. The idea that California and Texas could come together. How? They wouldn't be able to be unified in anything. They're separated geographically. Have suffered a very great defeat at the hands of the United States military. OK, so right there is a good one. In the reflection, you can see the map of the United States, and there is California and Texas, they're blue. However, they say at the very beginning, 19 states had seceded. Of the United States military. Hey, I like 28 days later. Annihilation was kind of weird. Ex machina was meh. 
President, do you regret the use of airstrikes against American citizens? Airstrikes against American citizens? Why? They're moving to D.C. today. We need to go down there. They Why would they go to D.C.? Another question. Shoot journalists on site in the Capitol. Every instinct in me says this is death. Bloody. Every time I survived a war zone, I thought I was sending a warning home. Don't do this. That, that's a good line, man. Every time I survived a war zone, I thought I was sending a warning home. Don't do this. How many veterans have said something similar, man? But it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. I do have questions. I do. And uh, I suppose it remains to be seen, right? Uh, as to why. The Western forces are trying to storm into Washington, D.C. I got news for you. Occupying a building does not a government make. Have a nice day. In a real civil war, there's no reason for California and Texas to be unified. And there's no reason for them, even if they are, to actually try and take Washington, D.C. Now, if you go back to the Confederacy and the old civil war, why was that different? Well, as I stated, if the Confederates took it seriously and actually thought civil war or wide scale war was 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 likely going to happen, they would have after winning the Battle of Manassas, the first Battle of Manassas, they would have just stormed into D.C. They were very, very close, but they thought that repelling the Union out of southern territory was enough. They were wrong. See, the thing is, back in the day, occupying buildings did matter and occupying cities did matter because you scattered the capability of individuals to organize and they would struggle to then reorganize. Once you controlled a physical space, you could put pressure on other locations and crush morale. Your capital has fallen. We have your buildings. You no longer have the means to organize. The Confederacy didn't do that today. Why would that not work? Because the federal government is digitally organized. In the event that that a capital building falls, all they need do is send a text message. Everybody organize here. The government stands. Communications is one of the most powerful, powerful tools in warfare. But here we are. There's some kind of misunderstanding here. What? Well, you're American, okay? Okay. What kind of American are you? What kind of American are you? Oh, yeah, okay. You don't know? You don't know? <laughs> Will reach the White House on July 4th. Oh my God. Why would the Western forces reach the White House? In the car. Get in the car. In a world where the country is being destroyed. I'm and not you can see the attacks that. on DC and all that stuff. There is. There is. Okay. Okay. I, I want to be. I want to be a little bit more reasonable. There is reason to strike DC. But let's be like, here's the issue. In the event of a civil war, capturing D.C. doesn't mean all that much, considering there's field offices in other places, there's building in other places. But it but it matters to a certain degree. You would have to an enemy, an enemy force attacking the United States would have to flatten all of D.C., basically eliminating every single HQ, taking away organizational capabilities, 
Yeah. With modern communications tech, it'd be fairly easy to recover, to be honest. But there are still some materials that would be lost, and, and that matters. That matters. It's not the same as it used to be. Even in the event the Confederacy took DC, it would not have been the end of the war. But it probably, uh, who knows? It could have been a decisive victory. When the South took DC, if they took DC, they could have easily then rallied support internationally because it would appear that they were winning on the verge of winning, and, and that matters. Never forget, in the War of 1812, the British burned down the White House. The US forces were trying to steal Montreal. And uh, for that reason, DC was unprotected. But that didn't mean the United States government fell or anything like that. Nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. God bless America. I'm actually uh, really excited to watch something like this. I think the imagining of what it could be like and how it would, would go down would be particularly interesting. Give me a reason why Texas and California would be unified, though. I mean, they're, they're today very much at odds. I think even someone who was writing this two or three years ago would recognize California and Texas are very much at odds. And if you go further back, they're even more at odds. Also, how do you transfer resources between the two states? And that being said, they mention that 19 states have seceded. So I wonder if they call it the Western forces of Texas and California, not because they're unified together, but because California and Texas are the largest states among the 19 that seceded. And they're considered major, uh, like major strongholds for the Western forces. I think it'll be fun. And I think it will be enlightening to a lot of people, some of the concepts they present in this film. So without further ado, Thanks for hanging out. The next segment will be coming up at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastirl. And we'll see y'all then. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.